Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. I think if we re- if we rethink our approach to healthcare, we won't need to have because we can't. We won't need to have a hospital in every community, but we will need to have competent healthcare in each community. Appalachia meets world podcast about place perspective but always Appalachian and don't forget Will tonight's episode is powered by SOAR shaping our Appalachian region if you're a entrepreneur out there especially in eastern Kentucky check them out all right Appalachian meets world we're back another week it's Will and Neil what's up bro what's going on it was good to see you this past weekend over the Easter holiday yeah man Easter's quickly becoming one of my favorites i don't know if it's because of your presence or your kids presence it's a good time i'm sure it's a little combination maybe a little bit more of my presence than anything else uh that's not really the direction i was going but if that makes you feel better (laughs) it does (laughs) but it's always good to be around family uh it was good to get home spend a little time with you guys it was fun good time we had appetizers Yeah, we had lots of appetizers. You brought what was probably the best, but it was weird that people didn't partake. I think only four people ate it. That's okay. It was me and you. I got my fill. (laughs) Oysters, baby. Oysters at Easter. It was awesome. That that should be a new tagline, oysters at Easter. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm good for a tagline every now and then. Most of them you can't repeat, but... (laughs) I did want to say, you know, we woke up to some sad news out of Louisville. I know they had some shootings in Nashville, and then they had some shootings in Louisville. Just uh, sad when when you hear about that stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's just, uh, man, a weird time, Will. That's all I'll say. It's a weird time. It is. I also saw <laughs> when we were home, it made, it made me think of, with our brother-in-law, you know how he <laughs> likes jerseys. Oh, yeah. He likes memorabilia. The Jordan sneakers that sold at auction. Uh, no, I didn't see that. So the Jordan sneakers that he wore in the Utah series, his last, I guess, last series. I think it was what like one of the only pairs of shoes that were worn by Jordan during that time that they have. They sold at auction for two point two million dollars. Oh my gosh! Did you pay that for a pair of shoes? I guess the better question is. How much would you have to have in order to do that? I don't think there's a number high enough that I would do that. That being said, if you did pay for them, would you wear them? You know, it's like wine at your house. You got it, open it, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If I'm paying $2 million for a pair of shoes, they're going to be touching my feet at some point. Yeah, I mean, I might sleep in them. (laughs) Have you seen the new movie? That, that they're making the air about Jordan 
Yeah, it's it's already out. I haven't seen it. Uh, I heard it's uh, oh, rave reviews. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I'd like to. Have I seen it? Come on, man. Yeah, we, no. we know how often I, I I venture out. When it comes on Netflix, I'll check it out. Yeah, <laughs> man. I never talk about shows that I watch, but I did recently watch a series that I think it's pretty awesome. Great series. If anybody wants to take my advice on Netflix shows, but. Oh, you giving, you seen giving some? Yeah, I'm giving some scoop. Yeah, nice. Have you have you seen the Night Agent? I have not. I know what you're talking about, but I have not. Man, that series consumed me recently. I had like, I mean, I stayed up late, late to finish <laughs> it up. I, I got to recommend it. Coming through with the recommendation. Yeah, doesn't happen a lot, so you know, you know, it's the real deal. <laughs> it has to be good. I'll check it out and let you know what instead, I think. Instead of looking over my app news of the week, I, I stayed up really late watching shows. You can inform me about Appalachian news you might have. I will. I guess we'll get into a little <laughs> app news. I wanted to mention, we mentioned last week, the Appalachian Regional Commission, stop number four. It happens next week on April 18th. It's the Appalachian Envision Roadshow. It's their stop number four building Appalachia infrastructure. So they'll, they'll actually have the governors from Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, as well as the Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. If you have the time, check it out. We'll post a link where you can register. It's on April 18th. Also, you know, we talked about in previous episodes, I'm a current fellow with the Appalachian Leadership Institute of the ARC and the new cohort, the applications have just been released. So the 2023-2024 cohort, you can apply. The applications are due June 1st. For those of you that don't know, it's a seven-session, nine-month program for leaders throughout 13 states of the Appalachian region. I wanted to give it rave reviews. I've been in leadership programs. This one just hits a little bit different. You, you know, it focuses obviously on Appalachia, but the connections that I've made through the program have far exceeded my expectations. I would recommend this to anyone. If, you more, if anybody wants to, is interested in applying, wants to reach out directly, shoot me an email, AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Maybe they'll take the other brother this this next year, Will. What do you think? That's a good possibility. <laughs> hey, you know anybody I can talk to? I know a few. <laughs> I wanted to mention a few other app news just real briefly. I don't think this college gets recognized all too often. Lee's McRae College in Banner Elk, North Carolina, they're having an Appalachian Heritage Week that they have every year. It's really just to celebrate Appalachia, celebrate the heritage, Wanted to mention it because it's coming up on April 21st, the culmination of the week on a Friday from 12 to 4. If you're in that area, if you're affiliated with the college, they have their own center of Appalachia there. Also, I wanted to mention an article that I saw in the Lexington Herald Leader. It's talking about downtown revitalization in eastern Kentucky and how, you know, we talk about population loss. We talk about doom and gloom in, in eastern Kentucky and throughout small towns of Appalachia. But this article is pointing out the resurgence in, in downtowns in eastern Kentucky. They've actually highlighted Hazard, 
They've highlighted Harlan. They've highlighted Pineville, Cumberland, and Middlesboro. I want to mention a couple people that were in the article. In Hazard, Bailey Richards is their downtown coordinator. In Pineville, Jacob Roan is their economic developer and downtown coordinator. In Millersboro, Appalachian Leadership Institute fellow Joni Jasper is the Main Street coordinator there. It's all about how these towns have built up their downtowns and revitalized a lot of times based on incentives and buying local. I know in Pineville, it states that in downtown, even though they've lost population between 10 and 2010 and 2020, their vacancy in the last eight years has gone from 80% to 100% in downtown. In Millersboro, every single space in downtown is filled and there's a waiting list. So it's all about buying local. It's a really good article. We'll post it. It mentions several small businesses, one of those being the Hazard Coffee Company. They had a quote in there. They're not in the business of making money, but in the business of making the downtown better. Just a really cool article. Just wanted to mention that real quick. The last bit of Appalachian news I have, we've mentioned this before, the hydrogen hubs. I know when we spoke to the governor of Kentucky, we spoke about the the money the Department of Energy has released, the $8 billion to uh, create seven to eight hydrogen hubs. Well, at the time, the Appalachian Region Clean Energy Hub, or the ARCH2, A-R-C-H-2, was encouraged to submit an application for one of the hubs. Well, they just recently did that. So I wanted to mention that. They submitted a multi-state application in partnership with Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. It's led by West Virginia. And they will find out in the fall of 2023 if they become one of those seven or eight hubs. So that's big news for the region in Appalachia. And also wanted to mention that because there's an upcoming conference. We want to give a little teaser for next week's episode, the Appalachian Renewable Natural Gas Conference is coming up in Pittsburgh, PA on Wednesday, the 19th. We're actually going to have a little teaser come out on Monday. We're having Tom Gelrich on as a guest next Friday. But on Monday, we're going to release a little bit of the episode to let him talk a little bit about the conference because the conference is on Wednesday. So if you're interested in the conference, you can check it out. We'll post a link and we'll just give a little teaser and then the full episode will come out on Friday. I just wanted to mention that real quick. But getting back to the Eastern Kentucky uh, story that was in the Herald Leader, you know, this week's episode is part two, Neil, of Dr. Wycock. You know, we had part one last week. It's all about healthcare in Appalachia. But he talked about there's no one single silver bullet that's going to solve health care. But it's important to not only think about health care, but think about economic recovery as well and jobs. So I think the article talks to that point directly of how important it is to have those jobs available, economic diversity and building up your downtowns for not only economic wealth, but also physical health and healthcare in general in the region. Yeah, well, uh, I'm uh, looking forward to, to hearing more about it this week. So I hope our listeners enjoyed last week, and I'm glad we're moving into part two. Without further ado, you want to just go ahead and get into it, Neil? Let's do it. 
obviously you can hear through through this discussion, your passion for the region and your commitment to the region. But I've heard you say before, the easiest way to get to higher, a higher ranked school of public health is to move. But you have stayed to really make ETSU, to make the College of Public Health, the best little public health school in the country. So how important was it for you to stay? How significant was it a factor for you to stay there at ETSU and in the region? Well, to me, it's important. First of all, it's important because my family likes being here. Of course uh, they do. Yeah. <laughs> wow. um, but I, I've always taken the approach, if you will, the Mike Krzyzewski approach, right? You can, you, if you want to be a great basketball coach, you can go from one school to another, to another, to another, to another, and try to work your way up the ladder, or you can stay in one place and make it a premier program. Now, I don't have any illusions that, you know, ETSU is going to be a premier program, I like to say we can't do everything, but everything we do can be done as well as possible. You know, we have to be excellent for people to even think we're good. And so my my commitment to the school and to the, my colleagues is to stay and help, you know, help build a world-class school of public health in for central Appalachia. We could all move somewhere else and make more money and write bigger books and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, maybe we're all the stubborn Appalachians, right? Maybe this is, <laughs> this is our destiny. But again, there's no, there's no better place to do what we do than here. What you're doing, you're sharing information. You're, you're, you're trying to help people understand the unique value and attributes of our region. You could go, you know, you could be in Colorado or Wyoming or anywhere else or any other lesser place, I should say. <laughs> but, we, but we all choose to do what we do. You know, the more people who make a commitment to being here and staying here, I think that's going to be in the best interest of the region. And we are definitely a benefactor of your commitment, of your staying in the region. We want to thank you for that and commend you uh, for all the work that you're doing there at ETSU. And just as a testament, I know that the College of Public Health, as well as the medical school there at ETSU ranks top five in producing healthcare providers in underserved or rural areas. So you're not just talking the talk, you're definitely walking in the walk and producing those rural healthcare providers uh, and has been renowned throughout the country as one of the top five. Yeah, I, I think a mistake we make is we look at rankings, right? And so wherever we're ranked is where we're ranked, but people don't stop and say, okay, what is the mission? So if you say the mission of the Quillen College of Medicine was to produce primary care docs for rural areas, well, they're, they're, they should be the highest ranked school in the country for their mission. And I think the mistake we make with rankings is we, you know, ETSU College of Public Health doesn't have the same mission as Johns Hopkins or Columbia or Emory or Tulane, but we can be, we can execute our mission as well as anyone. And I, and I appreciate your your kind words on that because at, at the end of the day, you know, if if I'm judged on whether I'm successful at improving public health in New York City, I'm not going to be very good at it. But if I'm judged on whether we can improve health in Appalachia, that's where I want to be measured. I wanted to touch on 
maybe briefly or maybe not so briefly, the access to healthcare, especially rural healthcare. We, we spoke to Appalachian, several actually students in the Appalachian State Site D program. It was one of our episodes, but they have a mission of also producing rural health care providers, especially when it comes to mental health, which is an important aspect in this region as well. And you mentioned the mention of the mission of ETSU and the College of Public Health being producing rural health care providers. But in, in saying that, access is also a huge challenge for this region. There just aren't enough providers throughout Appalachia. You mentioned the, the closing of rural hospitals. The small town where I come from, Pineville, Kentucky, they've been struggling with their hospital, which has been there for decades, it is getting ready to close because they just don't have enough providers for the capacity of the region. So can you just maybe speak to the access issues and how we can maybe overcome that in rural environments? Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, you've, I, I think it's, it's sometimes even a more complicated issue than folks realize. You know, we, we tend to look at primary care providers and in that regard, Appalachia isn't that much worse than the rest of the country. But if we look at mental health providers, dental providers, you know, we're way, we're way low. And I think going forward, we're going to have to rethink some basic aspects of how we deliver healthcare. I think transportation is going to become increasingly important. I think telemedicine is going to become increasingly important. I think with with offsite monitoring. So, I mean, right now you and I are engaging in a conversation. We could be talking about your healthcare or my healthcare, right? But but if if I could also have a monitor on you right now. I could learn a fair amount about your heart rate and not, you know, all those kind of things. So I think as technology advances, if we don't make it too expensive, we can use telehealth to really help. I think where we've got a, a real challenge ahead of us is in the aging population. You know, we tend to be older than other places in part because we lose our young folks and older folks have particular health challenges. They have, they have transportation issues. They have financial issues. We've got some overarching challenges with our healthcare system everywhere. You know, it's gotten to where it's not a particularly effective system. It's expensive, it's cumbersome, it's paperwork heavy. And all of those problems are worse for people in rural areas and for elderly, especially the elderly who are not computer savvy, who can't drive and so on and so forth. So I think maybe a, a clustering of transportation, distance communication, telemedicine, and probably community health workers, people who are trained at a different level than a doctor or a nurse, but who can go into people's homes and really help them out and then sort of triage them into the system as necessary. And I think if we re- if we rethink our approach to healthcare, we won't need to have, because we can't, we won't need to have a hospital in every community, but we will need to have competent healthcare in each community. People, especially people from outside the region, when they when they ask us about Appalachia, first thing they want to ask us about are the challenges, which is exactly what I just asked you in regards to in regards to access. But I'm glad that you kind of flipped that and talked about the opportunities. And but it also drives home the point of how important economic development is for the region 
in regards to those opportunities. You know, you can't have telehealth without a good broadband service throughout the region. You can't have these transportation opportunities without a good transportation system within the region. So I'm glad you flipped the script there a little bit and talked about the opportunities as opposed to the challenges in regards to access. Well, you know, at the end of the day, we have to, you know, if if all we do is identify the problems, our lives will be pretty depressing. <laughs> you know, if, if we don't talk about the solution, I thought you were going to say when you the question people ask us from outside the region is how you pronounce Appalachia. Right? <laughs> well, Appalachia. that's the, yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. the first of the first questions is that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. The farther north you go, even in the region, even in Appalachia, they start calling it Appalachia. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole nother issue. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously. Appalachia doesn't have a single culture, right? We've got diverse culture, uh, you know, racially, ethnically, geopolitically, but what many of our people have in common is not not their cultural background, but the health challenges and the, that they face. I wanted, I wanted to quickly ask you, you, you mentioned some of the larger communities within Tennessee. That's the same throughout the region. You know, mm -hmm. we have the Birminghams, we have the Chattanoogas, we have the Asheville's, the Knoxville's. Yeah. We have the larger urban areas. When we're talking about that urban-rural divide, especially when it comes to healthcare, a lot of the times the resources go to those urban communities, those urban environments. Actually, a lot of the funding that does come to the rural healthcare providers, a lot of time it gets lost in administration. It doesn't make it to the ground in rural healthcare. Can you uh, maybe speak of some of the challenges in regards to that urban-rural divide or maybe even some yeah, of the options? That's a great observation. I often only half-jokingly ask people why the health statistics of Unicoi County are worse than Washington County. Washington County is where I'm at, where the university is. Unicoi is the next county south of here. Historically, we were actually one county, and then they divided it. And I said, well, why is Unicoi less healthy than Washington County? Well, the reason is because Washington County is the headquarters of Ballot Health, and the university is here. Sullivan County, the next one north, is the global headquarters of Eastman. What those three organizations do is they hire well-educated relatively healthy people from the outside and we move here and we dilute the statistics to make us look healthier than we really are. And I think that's the phenomenon with urban Appalachia is they make our statistics look better. They become a source where money can get spent. But then at the end of the day, the most rural counties are still suffering. And so I have a free, free idea. I'll give this to anybody who wants to take it. When a state is working to bring in a big business, you know, an automobile manufacturing plant, a, a, you know, a major, major employer, and they're going to build roads and sewer systems and all that, cut them tax breaks. I say, fine, do that, but ask them to put 5% of their jobs into a rural county. You know, it's just, that's what we need. We just need a few more jobs, you know, good pay, decent benefits, and a lot of stuff can change. If you put all your money into the urban areas, you know, I, I jokingly say Tennessee is like a funnel, right? All the everything rolls into the middle. But even even in our cities, if you put all your money there, you're not really fundamentally changing the rural communities. So we've we've got to figure out a way of getting that investment out into rural areas. And sometimes that's money, and sometimes it's intellectual capacity. 
what we try to do with the Center for Rural Health is figure out ways that we can improve rural communities without necessarily having a large influx of money because there's not always someone on the outside willing to give us that money. Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point. I, I wanted to ask you a few just personal questions, maybe to get to know Dr. Wyckoff a li- little bit better okay. if you're okay with that. Sure. I-, I mentioned your extraordinary background. What's the most interesting place you've lived or traveled? Uh, when we were 11, we moved to Uganda in East Africa. At the time, I had to go to a boarding school in Kenya. So it was just, it was an opportunity to be really in a completely different culture. Obviously, Western Kenya, where the school was, is a mountainous, rural, you know, underserved kind of area. So that probably was, and that sort of drove my interest in tropical medicine and rural medicine and all that. I'm sure you weren't aware at the time, but now looking back, I'm sure you mentioned the mountainous region. You see similarities between that area and Appalachia. Yeah, and to some extent, it's the mountains. To some extent, it's geographic isolation. To some extent, it's history of agriculture. I mean, you know, mountainous areas share some some challenges. Another quick question. You know, we mentioned appetizers. We like to talk about food on here. Do you have a favorite restaurant you've ever eaten or been to? Well, I, yeah. Um, So last year we went on a tour of Peru and in the middle of the tour, they took us to this hacienda. I forget the name of the place, but it was just phenomenal. And I mean, the food was beautifully presented. You know, it was just, it was just really great. I also like Waffle House where I had breakfast this morning. So, you know, uh, you know it works both ways. Well, my next question, we've actually had uh, Alan Benton on the show before, Benton's Country Hams. I don't know if you ever partaken in um, a Benton Country Ham, but. I, no, I, I'm actually a vegetarian. So. Okay. Okay. Sorry about well, yeah. that. Well, my next question was, do you have a favorite East Tennessee restaurant? And I guess it might be Waffle House. Yeah, there's a there's a local place called Cafe Lola. Serves great lunch food. I usually if I have a guest in from out of town, I'll take them there. <clears throat> Free shout out for them. <clears throat> nice, definitely. We love the local marketing. Uh, do you have a favorite place in Appalachia or thing to do in Appalachia? Well, we live on Boone Lake, and I like we have a pontoon, and I like going out on that. And I also kayak on the lake, and I like taking pictures of the birds and you know, just whatever, whatever comes up, it's a, a very relaxing, calming thing to do. Kayaking is, you know, especially when the lake was down and there weren't made as many boats on it. And, you know, I could just kayak around. During COVID, you had a YouTube channel where you gave weekly mm-hmm. updates on COVID. Was COVID the biggest healthcare challenge you've seen in your career? Not really. I mean, if you think about it, AIDS began in early 80s. And so I was in medical school at the time and, and in residency at the time. And we, we've tended to forget that that's an epidemic that's killed over 35 million people. So it's actually been more devastating in terms of total life lives lost. I would also say, you know, if you look at the smoking problem and then opioids, I mean, there are a lot of public health issues and, you know, there's so many different ways of comparing them, you know, total deaths. And uh, there've been a lot of health issues. I would say COVID was somewhat unique. Inexplicably, it was able to divide us. 
I mean, I think we can look back and see how that happened, but it's hard to imagine a public health crisis that kills over a million people in our country, continues to kill 250 a day, cause 2,500 hospitalizations a day, even now, and it's somehow a political hot potato. That makes no sense. I think it's going to make things worse for the next pandemic and not better. If we can't trust our public health agencies, you know, the nation celebrated with great enthusiasm when the polio vaccines were developed. I mean, they, you know, Sabin and, and Salk became national folk heroes. And now within a year, we develop a vaccine for a life-threatening disease and it becomes a controversial, I'll leave it at that because we both have ideas of what caused that, but that's, that worries me. It worries me that the next, the next disease could be a lot worse. Yeah, well, maybe we can learn from some of our, I won't call them mistakes necessarily. Maybe we can learn from some of the discrepancies or some of the points that you're making uh, in our next epidemic or, or outbreak. Important question. You mentioned the Waffle House, but we want to ask you cornbread or biscuits? I'm a biscuits kind of guy. Okay. Okay. No wrong answer. No wrong answer. <laughs> Neil, Neil likes to get political and say both. <laughs> well, you know, you probably have a cornbread bread biscuit if you tried. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect. Perfect answer. <laughs> um, last, last quick question. If you could you could change your career but still work for or within Appalachia is there anything else you would do besides public health no I, you know I'm I'm trained as a pediatrician probably I, I in some ways I wish I had kept up with clinical practice but in, in reality it wouldn't have been possible you can't do a career in as public health administration and do healthcare on the side I like what I do. I, I, I enjoy my colleagues. I feel like we've got a good mission and a mandate. We're in the right place. So I want to ride this one out. Great answer. Uh, two questions that we ask everyone that we wanted to ask you. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word Appalachia? Mountains. Perfect answer. We, we hear that a lot, obviously. It's always good to hear perspective, especially people that are from outside the region. It's always interesting to hear their perspective. But the other question that we have, place and perspective, we kind of ground our podcast on that. Place is really important to Neil and I. It's really important to our family. And it's really important to Appalachia in general. So we wanted to ask you just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Well, that's a good question because as a child, we moved every three years. I, I lived, by the time I was 14, I had lived for three years on each of four different continents. So, wow. sort of, you know, we moved around a lot. Um, we always tended to come back to the Washington, D.C. area. That's where I was born in D.C. But now home is my house on Boone Lake. It's, it's where I live and it's, you know, all the kids are, are out of the house. Two of them are still in Johnson City, but two are in Colorado. One is in South Dakota. So they're, you know, they're, they're moving out. But even, you know, we, we, my wife and I have an RV. We like to go camping. But even when we go somewhere, we come home to the lake. So I say that's our, that's our home. That's where I'm from. 
Great answer. We want to thank you again for taking the time for all the, like we said, commitment that you have to the region, but all the work that you're doing at ETSU, making it the greatest little public health college in the country. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know if they wanted to find out more about the book, where maybe they could get a copy, where they can find out more about you, the College of Public Health. Well, the book you can get at Amazon or any other online book bookstore. Ideally, your local bookstore, right? <laughs> um, you can get you find out information on the college just by going to the website. I will say we have uh, fourteen degrees and eight certificates. Almost everything is available completely online, very specifically to meet the needs of people in rural areas, working professionals, and so on. So if someone wants to get a master's in public health, a master's of health administration, you can do it in an online capacity. We don't have our undergraduate degrees completely online, but ETSU does have online undergraduate degrees that you can incorporate public health courses into. Uh, The doctoral degrees currently are not online, but maybe we'll get there eventually. But as always, you know, the, the, the one thing that I would stress is anyone has any questions or comments or concerns about any issue related to health, let us know. Uh, We have a range of folks here who can try to help. And community-based organizations, we have students who can do internships, write grants, help data analysis. Obviously, we want to be a part of the community in any way we can. We want to uh, thank you again for the time and appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for having me and give my best to your brother. I will definitely. And uh, one last point, I I did want to point out that Kentucky did beat Tennessee twice in basketball this year. I I go to ETSU, not (laughs) ETSU. Okay, okay. (laughs) Good answer, good answer. Well, man, I'm glad glad to hear that, Uh, all that great conversation about healthcare hurts my interest a bit and I hope my listeners enjoyed it as well it's a vital piece to to rural America for sure yeah definitely it was good to hear the follow-up conversation with Dr. Wyckoff you know the first part was all about the book this part really focuses not only on some of the challenges and solutions in general with healthcare, but how important it is to not only have solutions for healthcare, but have economic solutions and job creation throughout the region as well very well said my friend very well said yeah it's also Um, interesting to hear a little bit about just his background and his personal journey in regards to healthcare. so finding out a little bit more about him and all the extraordinary work that he's done that he does throughout the appalachian region in general but also for smaller rural areas so we want to thank him again for being on the show and appreciate all the great work that he does throughout Appalachia. Absolutely. Uh, very appreciative of his time. So we'll transitioning on to our next segment of tonight's episode. Do you have a business of the week that you'd like to highlight for us? I do, Neil. I know we referenced in App News the article in regards to downtown revitalization in eastern Kentucky. I wanted to mention one of those businesses that is in the article and highlight that business a little bit more. It's the Hazard Coffee Company. So Stephen and Maggie Prosser, they made the decision that that a lot of Appalachians often do 
you know, when they leave the region, they've been gone from the region a little bit. They have a family and they always tend to, you know, we say all the time, there's a little magic in the mountains that draw you back. That's the exact thing that happened to Stephen and Maggie Prosser when they returned home in the summer of 2020 with Maggie's family in Hazard, Kentucky. <laughs> so Stephen was a former geochemist and fascinated by science. Did you say a geochemist? <laughs> he's a geochemist, but he's also a big fan of coffee. Wow. Yeah. And so to revitalize their down. And so that's exactly what they did or, or helped to do when they started the Hazard Coffee Company and put it on Main Street. It's at 486 Main Street in Hazard, Kentucky. And they support small businesses and farmers, which directly support their business. They also have some merchandise that's made by Appalachian Apparel, as well as mugs crafted by a local artist there, Trisha Cahoon. So they invite you to their shop. You can check them out online. It's the hazardcoffeecompany.com. Go to Main Street. Check them out. 486 Main Street, Hazard, Kentucky. Not only can get um, things off their menu, but you can get an excellent cup of coffee. I know you mentioned earlier, Will, their quote in the Lexington Herald. What was that quote? Yeah. You, you know, they're so passionate about where they're from. Their quote was, they're not in business of making money, but they're really in business of making the city better. So while they are doing really well in regards to making money, <laughs> they still have a, a main focus of revitalizing the downtown there in Hazard. It's always great to keep your passion alive. And in this particular case, money is just the side part uh, of the business. So it always makes things more successful if you can focus on mission and the money will come, I guess. It's like build it and they will come. So <laughs> congrats to them on their successes and hopefully our listeners will, will, will visit the Hazard Coffee Company when, when in town. Also wanted to uh, shout out a reminder about our little teaser that's coming out on Monday about the Renewable Natural Gas Conference not familiar with the renewable nat natural gas look it up it's created from waste we'll find out a little bit more next friday but on monday there's a little teaser about the conference so you'll have two episodes that come out next week a little teaser and then the episode on friday so check it don't don't forget to check them both out awesome i'm already looking forward to it myself all right neil i guess since we have covered the bases in this episode we can end it like we usually do till next time Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter, the air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long. Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs. Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains.